The prophet Elisha tells Naaman, a commander of the Syrian army, what he must do to be healed of leprosy. At first, Naaman is distrustful, but he believes in the God of Israel when he is cured. A reading from the second book of the Kings. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now, Aramians, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were, the pro- were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl, had, what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Potiphar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when he, all he said to you was, Wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the word of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will accept nothing. He urged him to accept, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let two mule loads of earth be given to your servant, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any god except the Lord. But may the Lord pardon your servant on one count. When my master goes into the house of Rimnon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow it down in the house of Rimnon, may the Lord pardon your servant on this one count. He said to him, Go in peace. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 30, found on page 4 of the worship booklet. Please stand as you are able and sing. from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one to a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you shall reap what you sow. If you sow 
to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted to the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may be may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. The Lord appointed seventy others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide. For the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is said before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in, in your name even the demons submit to us. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Lord, we do not know everything there is to know about you. We have much to learn. Teach us from the likes of children like me. Amen.
I'm grateful for the new lectionary. We haven't heard much in times past of other lectionaries this Old Testament lesson today. It's a marvelous story, a wonderful story. It's an account of one who many in Israel would have considered an outsider, but by the very work of God on his behalf became very much an insider. Naaman is the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He's been victorious in battle, a man of valor, but he's a leper. A little slave girl who had been captured from Israel one day said to her mistress, if only my master would present himself to the providence of Samaria, he would cure him. So the mistress goes to Naaman. Naaman goes to the king and tells what the little girl had said. And the king of Aram gives Naaman a letter of recommendation, along with silver, gold, and festal garments. And said, go to the king of Israel. Well, the king of Israel, upon getting this letter, upon seeing Naaman, is very upset. He thinks Naaman wants him to heal him, the king, to heal him, Naaman. Get lost in the pronouns sometimes. The king knows that he cannot. He does not really have power over life and death, as he has supposed at times, and as others have supposed about him. The king of Israel tears his garments. He's in grief and despair. Prophet Elisha hears of his grief, sends word to the king, let Naaman come to me and find out if there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman comes with his chariots and his horses and his entourage to the door of Elisha. The prophet doesn't go out and see, see him a greeting. Sends a messenger to him, a lowly messenger with this message. Go and wash seven times in the Jordan, and you shall be clean. That sounds simple enough, but guess what? Naaman is furious. He expected Elisha to come out and at least greet him person to person, face to face. He expected Elijah to invoke the name of his God with a great fanfare and hand motions and so forth. A lot of hocus pocus magic stuff, if you will. And after much to do, Naaman would then be healed. And why go wash in the, in the rivers of the Jordan? Are the rivers of Aram not good enough? They're much wider, much cleaner than the Jordan and all the waters of Israel. So Naaman sets off in his anger, takes up his marbles and leaves in a huff. If I can say it that way. This time servants come to Naaman and try to reason with him. But really perhaps it's that little slave girl because the servants refer to him as father. Well, I'm going to say it's still the little slave girl who comes to him. My father. The prophet, the prophet had told you to do something extraordinary, you would have done it. Why then do you not do what is seemingly simple? 
go to what the prophets say. The implication is, you have less to gain and nothing to lose. So Naaman repents. He goes to the river Jordan and washes seven times according to the word of this man of God, the prophet of Israel. And his flesh becomes again like that of the flesh of a young boy. His leprosy is cured. Our Old Testament text appointed for the day ends at this point. But Dan and I added verses uh, to the gospel reading for the day because the whole point of the, I mean, to this Old Testament reading, because the whole point of that reading is in the next verses, which have been omitted. Perhaps Dan will have them next week. I don't know. They're not there. Okay. I want to read these again to you. Naaman returned with his whole company to this man of God. On his arrival, he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. Elisha replied, If the Lord lives in my serve, I will not take it. Despite Naaman's urging, he still refused. Naaman said, If you will not accept, please let me, your servant, have two mule loads of earth, for I will no longer offer holocaust or sacrifice to any other god except to the Lord. But I trust that the Lord will forgive your servant this. When my master entered the temple of Rimon to worship there, then I too, as his servant, must bow down in the temple of Rimon. May the Lord forgive your servant for this. Elisha said to him, Go in peace. Why? Why did Elisha not accept the gifts of Naaman who had been healed and who offered the gifts? The prophets were not paid, or at least this prophet was not paid to speak the word of God. They were not paid in their work as conduit agents of what God was doing. If you read on in the chapter 5 of Second Kings, and I'm not going to read it today, I'm just going to sort of cite it by example. A servant of Elisha, Gehazi, went to, to went and tried to exact or get for himself some of what Naaman was going to give to the prophet. Read the rest of that chapter 5 if you want to find out what happened to him. It's interesting. Now I'm going to say more about that. Why did Naaman ask for two mule loads of earth? He had previously sneered at the waters of Jordan saying the rivers of his own land were much better, wider, and cleaner. Now he wants Israel and Jordan earth, two mule loads. Well, he had just promised before Elisha in the company of his own men that he would now offer holocaust, sacrifice, only to the Lord God of Israel. And he wanted Israeli dirt on which to offer sacrifice. He didn't have to have it. He could have offered sacrifice without it. But in his mind, 
they wanted to sacrifice on soil of this God of Israel. So he wanted earth from that Jordan area. Now another thing about the story that's remarkable, Naaman is a realist. He knows his own situation and he knows his own place. He knows that he will have to accompany his king to the temple of Rimmah. Rimmah is the god of storm, rain, and thunder. A supreme god in that culture. Equivalent to Baal. He knows that his king gives homage to this god. He'll have to give some nod of obedience not to put his king down, so as not to put his king down, so as not to slide his king. And he asked forgiveness of the Lord God even before this happens. Well, to the religious people that day and time in Israel, this would not have been acceptable. For them it was all or nothing. No halfway homage to the God of Israel. They would have said, Choose this day whom you shall serve. That would have been their cry, outcry to Naaman. But Elisha has broader perspective than that. Broader perspective than perhaps most of the religions of his day and time. He says what is forgotten so many times, has been forgotten so many times in Israel. Go in peace. Let it be as you have requested. May the Lord God of Israel forgive you for what you, as servant of your king, have to do. That's all implied there. It sounds a bit like Jesus saying to a fallen woman, where are those who condemn you? Now here. Why do I condemn you? Go and sin no more. Go and be at peace. Be at peace. Well, that story which you heard today and which I rehearsed is a remarkable story. This army commander, much used to battle and commotion of battle, expects great things, fanfare the prophet and gets nothing at all, goes off and then repents and comes back. A young captured slave girl gives Naaman the source of his help and then perhaps encourages him to do that little thing the prophet word for him to do. Naaman gets over his indignation and does what the prophet has said. He's healed. His skin becomes like that of a young boy. The call for his shame is over. He had much to gain by doing so and much to lose by not doing so. Knowing his place, he must give homage to his king give a slight bow to the God of his king and ask forgiveness in the very beginning and is granted that forgiveness even before the, 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 the offense takes place. He's forgiven. Even before the offense takes place. Think of it, folks. Not after, but before. We who think we know so much about our God, 
we know a great deal, have much to learn. We're not there yet. God is not finished with us yet. And just perhaps we might well learn from a small child. Much like our children at Advent. Ask our church school teachers. All we have to do is open our ears and hear, open our eyes to see, look at what's going on with them, and they will tell us great things. It is said in the peaceable kingdom of God that the little child shall leave them. Jesus talked a great deal about small children and what they had to offer, and for good reason. Amen.